70 million Americans suffer from it every year. There are 38,000 deaths a year attributed to it. 64% of students have poor performance because of it. We try to treat it with herbal medicines, herbal teas, uh, over-the-counter prescriptions. Uh, you don't have to say it out loud, but if you, might, you might have some ideas as to what this could be. Uh, some of you might be thinking it could be long sermons. Uh, as a matter of fact, whenever I was uh, preaching this morning, I was wondering if I'd killed a few people today. But thank the Lord they were resurrected at the end of the service when they opened their eyes. But uh, what it is actually is insomnia. Uh, most people really struggle with sleep. And I, I'm sure that some of you have the same issues. Sometimes you go to bed at night and your mind is just racing. There's all these different thoughts that are going through your head. And it's like you can't shut them off. And so we try to figure out what the cure could be. And sometimes we get up and we have a nice warm glass of milk. And we drink it thinking, well, that's going to help me sleep better. And then we lay down and just the same stuff starts happening again. And we just can't rest. You know, you would think with all the technological advances that we've had over the years that we would have at some point come up with something that could cure insomnia. And yet it is, gosh, it is just something that continues to plague us time and time again. And I really believe one of the root causes of it is just busyness. I mean, there are so many people who are just absolutely busy all of the time. Uh, I watch people, it's, it's just been really interesting to watch people and watch them when they go home or whenever they're out with company and they, they'll pull out their, you know, they'll pull out their phones and they'll start texting or they're looking at the internet. It's just this constant stuff that's going on. And ultimately what happens is, or what we need is we just simply, we need a break. Any of you, can any of you identify with that? You just feel like my life is so busy. What I need is I just need a break from everything. Well, here's the good news for you. Uh, today we are continuing our series to the 23rd Psalm, and it's called Stress Busters. And one of the major issues that people deal with in their life, last week we talked about worry, this week we are talking about busyness. And I really believe as we look in Psalm chapter 23, verse number 2, so if you have your Bible and you want to get a head start, we're just going to read that one verse today, we're going to find in that one verse that there is a recipe there is a recipe for peace. Because I believe that most people in the midst of the busyness of life, what we want just about more than anything else is we would like to experience peace in our lives. Now, King David wrote this psalm, which is the most famous of all the psalms. And I believe there's an attraction to this psalm because as you read through this psalm, there is a sense of hope that is given. There is a sense of peace that is expressed in this psalm. And so whenever David wrote this, most scholars believe that he wrote this near the end of his life. If you know anything about David, you know a couple of things. One, you know that David is considered to be the greatest king of Israel. I mean, even to this day, he's considered the greatest leader that they've ever had. Uh, the kingdom expanded its territory under David more than under any other leader. And again, that includes any leader up to this day. So David was a man who was well regarded. He was a man who was called a, a man after God's own heart. He was a guy who was very, very busy. And yet David was stressed out in so many different areas in his life because he didn't know how to handle the busyness of his life. 
Now, if you look at David's life, you'll see some of the major flaws and problems that he had. You, if you're familiar with him, you know he had family problems. He had a son named Absalom who tried to overthrow him, who tried to kick him out as king and take his place. Uh, you know that he had relationship problems. You know that he famously failed God in sin when he committed adultery with a lady named Bathsheba. He committed murder. He killed her husband. And so David was a man who was busy. Sometimes he was doing good things. Sometimes in his busyness he was doing bad things. But where it left David is it left him at a place where he was looking for peace. He was looking for something that could provide him with peace. And there might be some of you here today, and you say, you know what, I, I'm not as bad as David, but man, I'm busy. And I'm so tired of running around. I'm so tired of being stressed out. I would like to know, can I have peace? In our text today, I really think what we're going to see is we're going to see a recipe for peace. And the very first recipe for peace that I see in our text today is very simple. It begins with rest. If you're looking for peace, I want you to know it begins with rest. And if you look in verse number 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Very few people have a natural tendency to want to rest. Um, I know for me that even whenever I read the 23rd Psalm, I, I feel like in a lot of ways there are times I'm just in a hurry a lot. And I, I can read the 23rd Psalm, and I can just look at it and go, I've already read this, I know this, I just want to move on to the next scripture. Now, I, I don't want any of us to do that. Some of you might say, yeah, I know the 23rd Psalm, I've heard it my whole life, why are you doing a series on this? Because I believe we need to step back and just examine some of the, some of the deep qualities that are mentioned in this text. And the very first thing I want you to see is we slow down just a little bit. It says that God, what, what does God do according to verse number 2? If you look at the beginning of it, what does he do? He makes me what? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, again, verse number 1 says the Lord is my shepherd. That means that if he's my shepherd, what am I supposed to be? His sheep. Right? So, so we have to remember the context of this. It's talking about a shepherd and a sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep typically every morning in Israel in particular, they get up around 4 o'clock in the morning. And the reason why is because they like to eat. Now some of you do the same thing. We get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Now the reason why they like to eat at 4 o'clock in the morning is they like to eat during the cool of the day. And Israel is not known as being you know, a place that you want to go for nice cool breezes. I mean it can get hot in Israel. And so the sheep will get up about 4 o'clock in the morning, and they will eat. But during that time, when they, after they've eaten, a shepherd needs to make sheep lie down. And the reason why is because sheep do not begin, and I know you're probably thinking, I did not come here for a sheep lesson. But yes, you did. Uh, sheep are made to lie down because sheep will not digest their food until they've taken time to rest. That's kind of interesting. And so a shepherd has to make sheep lie down. Also, sheep don't like to lie down very much because they're, they're kind of like defenseless animals. They're, they're always being preyed upon by other animals. Have you all ever heard of an attacked sheep? You know, it just doesn't happen. I mean, they're the ones that get attacked. And so they don't like to lie down because they're always on guard. They're watching out because they know there's something out there waiting to eat them. Now, some of you feel the same way. You know, you're just looking around saying, I know somebody's out here trying to eat me, trying to get me in life. 
But God tells us there are times when we have to take time to rest because it's healthy for us. For a sheep, it helps him digest. For us, it's healthy for us on many different levels. And yet we struggle with rest. Uh, Those of you who are parents, you know this firsthand. Uh, If you're a parent, you know how difficult it is, especially when your kids are younger, to make them go to bed. Have y'all struggled with this? You remember? And if you if it's been a while, you can surely remember it. I mean, we tell our kids to go to bed; they will fight it. They don't want to do it. I was just back in the children's area a while ago, heard kids screaming. Um, parents, if your kids are back there, just want you to feel real comfortable. They're back there screaming right now. Now, the reason why, typically, other than the fact that they're scared of all the workers, we have some scary workers back there. That uh, the reason why for some kids, because they're tired, you know, they're worn out. I can't tell you how many times we told our kids, y'all need to get in bed. And say, oh, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, we're going to bed. They'll go to bed. And then uh, I'll go up there, or Emily and I would go up there, we'd check on them, open up the door when they're younger. And Glenn and Janie in particular, they would have the covers over their head, the flashlight on, you know, playing games or reading. They did not want to rest. Now, why do parents want their kids to rest? Because we're tired of them, Right? <laughs> We want our kids to rest. No, it's because we know rest is good for them. Because we know what it's like, and especially mothers, you know what it's like when you try to wake up your kid the next morning when he hasn't rested much. They are grumpy and gripey. They don't perform very well. It causes a lot of stress. But did you know kids aren't the only ones who struggle with rest? Adults do as well. Pairs struggle with it. Men and women struggle with it. And, I, and I, one of the reasons why is because we're busy. We've got a lot of things to do. We have deadlines to meet. And some of us try to accomplish so much without ever taking time to rest in who God is and allow Him to be in charge of our lives. And many of us are so busy that we are busy to the exclusion of a relationship with God. We put so many other things ahead of our relationship with God, never taking time to rest in who God is. And God is telling us in this text, basically for most of us, we have it all backwards. And that we are trying to achieve and do so much without God. And God knows that we need to rest in Him because if we don't, this life can beat the thunder out of you. In Psalm 46.10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. It doesn't say be active. It says, be still and know that I'm God. That word still, it means to cease striving. And I just quit being busy. You know, take time to relax, to rest. Because I guarantee you, if you don't take that time and you begin to seek after other things to fill your life up, you're not going to find peace. It's not going to happen. Not without God. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28-30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are busy and it is driving you crazy and your mind is going nuts, go to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And he says, I will give you rest. Let me share with you a couple, of, a couple more interesting things about sheep. They lie down. They have to lie down in order to digest their food. But when they lie down, because they don't, lie, they don't digest their food until then, they, they chew on a cud. So when they lie down, they re-chew what they've already eaten. Okay, I know that sounds weird. 
uh, gross, but that's what they do. So, and I thought about that. I was like, how does that relate to us? And I began to realize, you know, we, we, like the sheep, we need to lie down so that we can reach you what God's already done for us. And take time to rest in him and reflect on who God is. And to reflect on the promises that God's given us in his word. Because as we reflect on who God is and get out of the busyness of life, guys, you begin to understand what an incredible God that we have. But if we don't take time to rest in God and reflect on him, and we just stay busy all the time, you get worn out. And eventually life, it just sort of just compounds and compounds upon you until you are wiped out. I heard a story about a man that was in a horse and buggy, and he picked up a man that was carrying a huge load of wood on his back. The guy looked absolutely wiped out and tired. He said, hop on up here. He said, take a load off. The guy hops up on there, and he begins to drive his horse and buggy again. As he's riding along, he looks over at the guy, and he's got a strained look on his face still. It's like, what in the world? And he looks back, and as he's looking at the man, he realizes that man is still carrying that huge load of wood on his back. He's like, here I am giving him a ride, and yet he's still carrying the load. For a lot of us, we're still carrying the load. When God says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Come and join me, and I will take a load off of you. And we say, yeah, man, I believe in God. I want to follow after you, God. And yet we still hang on to all the load that we are carrying in life, and we get worn out. And that's why 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You have to drop the load of junk that you're carrying to God and say, Lord, I'm going to have to trust you to carry it because I can't carry it myself. What's the recipe? What's the recipe for peace? It's rest. What's another recipe for peace? And from this one verse... I see another recipe is reliance. Now look again, again in verse number 2 again. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now here's what I want you to notice here. Where does God make his sheep lie down? Does he make them lie down in the desert? Does he make them lie down on cracked, parched ground? Because he's, you know, if you're going to be a follower of God, then you've you got to tough it out. As I say, it says, He makes us lie down in green pastures, which is really nice. Uh, that gr- green pastures. Another translation for that is pastures of tender grass. Now, you think, well, what does that mean? Here's what's interesting. In, in Israel and other parts of the world as well, there are different kinds of grasses. And shepherds had to be on the lookout for certain kinds of grasses. For their sheep to eat, they wanted them to eat tender green grass. Because in Israel, there is a grass over there known as goat's grass. And that goat's grass, it's green. It looks really good. But if a sheep eats goat's grass, within 24 hours, it will choke the life out of that sheep. He'll die. And so a shepherd had to make sure that his sheep are eating the right kinds of grass. That he's eating the tender kind of grass. I thought that was kind of neat. Now here's the point. There's a lot of things that this world offers us. There's a lot of green grass out there that looks really good to us, but it's not the right kind of stuff. And if we partake of it and we eat it, it will choke the life out of us. 
Now I start thinking, what's, what's a few examples of the things that the world offers us that look so good and tasty? You know, when we get hungry. And some of the things it offers us, it's the typical stuff that we, you know, we mentioned in church. There's, there's sex outside of marriage. You know, it, it looks good. It looks like it's, it's natural. They can't be that bad. And yet, whenever we partake of it, let me tell you something. I guarantee you, and I know this because I've seen it, it destroys people. Destroys them physically and emotionally. Destroys families. I see that the world offers us the green, the green grass of, of wealth and having more. That stuff can look so good. And I see so many people who should get busy in life striving after those things. And they go after them. And yet after they achieve it, they, they step back and say, I still feel empty. It didn't fill me up. And then others who, who go after the green grass of doing what you want, what makes you feel good, and what your desires are. And I see people who go after those things, and at the end of the day, they say, you know what, I'm still empty on the inside. King Solomon, who's considered the wisest king who ever lived, wrote about this. He had the same experience. In Ecclesiastes 2, 10 through 11, he said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired, and I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I toiled to achieve, listen to what he says, everything was meaningless. And it was a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Busyness without God, that's it right there. Now, what are we trying to achieve in all of our busyness? And I think typically we try to achieve good things in our busyness. I, mean, I think most of us are motivated by good things. We get busy because we're trying, you know, we're trying to make ends meet. We get busy because we want to, to further ourselves and to have more to, su- to supply or provide to our kids. We want them to have a better life than we did. And there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But if you become busy and exclude God, you're going to find yourself in trouble. Verse number one says, the Lord is my shepherd. If he is the shepherd, we are the sheep. What is the job of a shepherd? It is to lead the sheep. Nowhere do you ever see sheep leading the shepherd. I mean, how absurd would that be? It just doesn't happen. It's not anything that's natural. And whenever I look into our text, I see that it is the job of the shepherd to lead us to green pastures. Now, a lot of us know the kind of pastures that God wants to lead us to. Think about it. What are some of the things God offers us? He offers us the green pastures of forgiveness. He offers us the green pastures of of eternal life, of peace, of hope, a life of meaning. And some of us, we look at that and we think, man, if I, go after, if I go after that green grass to follow the lead of that shepherd, man, the cost is pretty high. There's a lot of things I'll have to sacrifice to go after that kind of green grass, to follow that shepherd. Let me tell you something, though. If you don't follow that shepherd, the cost is even higher. The cost is even higher. You know, I know that uh, this a couple what, a month ago we had Christmas. And some of you uh, who have young children, you buy gifts for your kids and you buy those toys that you have to put together yourself. And uh, if you're anything like like I am and was, you get those toys like that, and you get this little book of directions. And the first thing you do with the directions, of course, is 
throw them away, right? It's like, I don't need this. I mean, it's just a bunch of parts here. I can figure this out. I'm an educated person. I can put this thing together. And you put, you put the toy together. And at the end of putting the toy together, what always ends up happening, at least to me, is there's a lot of parts left over. And I'm thinking, those are just like extra parts unless I, you know, in case I lost one of these other parts. And so I just kind of throw those things away. And then you give the toy to the kid. And it looks really good. He begins to play with it, but it doesn't work right. And there's something wrong with it. And I just think then these manufacturers are just absolutely horrible. But the problem is, is I never looked at the directions. I never followed them. I didn't want to pay the price of actually reading through the book. And the result is I'm frustrated and my kids get frustrated because things aren't working out like they're supposed to. Too many of us approach life the same way. We try to figure it all out on our own. We get busy on our own. And we say, you know what, I don't need the directions. I don't need the leadership of God. I can do this all by myself. And then we wonder why we're so frustrated in life. And why we feel empty in life. And why we're so busy that we're worn out in life. You want peace? And you go to the shepherd. And you trust him. And you trust his leadership. What's the recipe for peace? It's rest, it's reliance, and that's the last one I want you to see. It's also refreshment. If we are going to have peace, the recipe is refreshment. Verse number 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is where I got refreshment. He leads me beside quiet waters. Water is of primary significance in the Middle East. It is tremendously scarce, even to this day. Uh, and so whenever, whenever David began to talk about water, anytime the Bible talks about water, it got the attention of the people, because they know it's important. There's not much of it. You know, we're kind of spoiled here. We have water all around us. But if you don't have water, it makes you a little nervous, because you get thirsty. You can't live without it. In northern Israel, that's where the headwaters are. They have one really freshwater river that supplies the entire country. It's the Jordan River. It runs down from really from Syria all the way through Israel, dumps out into the Dead Sea in southern Israel. The Arabs always want to have control of the headwaters in northern Israel. And Israel won't let them do it. You know why? Because if they get control of the headwaters, they'll cut them off. And Israel won't have any supply. They won't have any fresh water. And so they, they, they always protect their water sources. So they, this, when you talk about water, it gets the people's attention. But the people understood the importance of water whenever David talks about the relationship between a sheep and his shepherd and water. If a sheep's going to survive, he's got to have something to drink, right? And it says that the shepherd will lead his sheep He will find his sheep, and he will take his sheep to what kind of waters? Remember what it says? It says still or quiet. He will take his sheep to quiet waters. What does that mean? You know, so nice little tranquil scene. Is that the whole idea here? You have to know something about sheep. This is about sheep. This is what's really interesting about this. Sheep have to drink out of still waters, quiet waters. If they still have their wool on and they go to drink and the water's splashing up, that water can splash up so much on them that it can waterlog the sheep. And the wool's so heavy. Have you ever noticed a sheep's legs? They're not real muscular, are they? Not like mine. You know, they're, sort of, they're, they're like these spindly little legs. And they get top-heavy and they can actually fall over into the water and drown. So whenever a shepherd would take his sheep to get something to drink, he would find him 
Not rushing water, but still waters. So that that sheep could drink safely. That's why it's important to be under the leadership of a shepherd who knows where the still waters are. Now, if if the sheep were in charge... And they didn't have a shepherd, and they get thirsty. Where are they going to drink? They're going to drink wherever they can find water. They don't care if it's splashing around or not. And that's where they can get into trouble. And so that is why they need a shepherd. Now, guys, we live in a busy world. And I know that in the hustle and bustle of your everyday life, you end up getting thirsty. Some of us get thirsty, so thirsty for peace that we're willing to try to find it anywhere that we can get it. If we don't have the shepherd leading us, man, the busyness of life can begin to splash up on you and you can drown in a sea of busyness and in a sea of sin. But the Lord desires for us to go to still waters where we can drink from him and we know it's going to be safe. Jesus said this in John seven thirty-seven and 38. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, and you're looking for peace, he said, you come to me and drink. Because I'll be the one to satisfy your thirst. Because if you drink from any other source, it's going to leave you wanting. It's going to leave you thirsty. When I was a kid, I, I would have to, I, I mowed our parents' yard all the, you know, every week, and we'd work in the yard. I'm, my mother makes the best sweet tea. I'm not lying. It is the best sweet tea in the world, next to Emily's. And uh, I would, after I'd work in the yard and mow, my mother would come out with a huge glass of tea for me, and she'd have a pitcher of tea for me to drink. And, man, I'd be all sweaty, and I'd sit there, and I'd just chug that tea down. It was great. I could drink the entire pitcher of tea. But you know what? As good as that tea was, it never satisfied my thirst. I always wanted more. Now, we all know, what is the best thing to quench your thirst? It's water. Nothing tops water. Now, in life, there's a lot of stuff out there like sweet tea. It looks really good. And you can go after it, and you can drink it, taste good. But you're going to drink and drink and drink it, and it will never satisfy your thirst. That's why Jesus said, all you who are thirsty, he said, you come to me and you drink. All of you who are looking for relief from the busyness of life, who are looking for peace, It's only in Jesus. It's only through our shepherd. Now, what's the recipe for peace? I look in verse number two. There's rest, reliance, and refreshment. What is it you're looking to to provide you with peace? What is it? Because I promise you, it will only be found in the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want He leads me beside quiet waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures.